When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Batter up. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 107 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Cerovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So it's been actually since we, the, the last time we recorded, we had the interview with Devin Gordon, which was fantastic. Um, but we haven't recorded like a, a show with like us in a month, more or less, because we're on off season mode. And so therefore, a lot has happened since we last talked about the New York Metropolitans. And yet um, also somehow nothing has nothing. happened. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is a whole lot about nothing. Much ado about nothing <laughs> has happened. Um, so the main uh, summary of what has happened or hasn't is that nobody wants the Mets uh, president of baseball operations job. Not a single person. Um, literally nobody. Literally nobody. not a single person. It's tumbleweeds. Uh, they've been turned down by a dozen people at this point. And that's a growing list, by the way. That's like, as of this moment, they've been turned down by a dozen people. Um, And that's just the people we know about. There could be more that we don't know about. And by turned down, I mean, at various stages in the process, like for some people, the their own like teams that they work for now denied permission for the Mets to speak to them. And in some cases, they were given permission, but the person was like, nah, I don't give you permission. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and You almost have to wonder, though, how many players, their teams were like, do you want permission to talk to these guys? And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you have to wonder how often when it was the team saying, we don't grant permission for you to interview such and such a candidate, um, how often that's just a cover for the person not wanting it and the team will be like, it's cool. We'll just say like, it's like when, when your kid, when you say to your kid, you can let me be the bad guy. Uh, Yes. (laughs) It's it's literally like a parent being like, you can let me be the bad guy. Just say, I'm not letting you do it um, to help help your kid get out of plans that they don't actually want to partake in. It's like that. Um, So you know, there are various reasons why um, people have turned the Mets down. Um, Sandy Alderson gave a presser today and oh boy, it was a doozy of a presser. Um, 
And Does he, he get any other kinds? <laughs> yeah, right. No. These days, especially not. Um, he, you know, of course, is trying to deflect blame away from, you know, the Mets are a dysfunctional mess and no one wants to touch this with a 10 foot pole and saying and twisting it to say, you know, oh, you know, people just don't want to work in New York because New York is a tough environment and not everybody's up for that challenge. Literally, the can't handle New York trope is what he's pulling now. Zero percent of baseball executives are interested in working in New York. Noted. You know, there, there are so many reasons why that's nonsense. Um, A, like literally one of the people who turned them down was Gene Afferman, who's in the Yankees organization. So she already works in New York and she didn't want this. Um, I mean, she might have her own reasons for not wanting this that go far beyond, mm-hmm. you know, the Mets or whatever. And she's I'm sure she's perfectly happy where she is and all that. But you can't say that it's New York that's deterring her, for example. And also, like. There are plenty of other executives that work in, you know, like high stress, heavily covered media markets, such as the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, who the famously low key Boston Red Sox, yeah, famously yeah. low key Boston Red Sox. Like these are teams that are covered like very, very extensively and are subject to very harsh media markets and they have no problems getting their top candidates. In fact, several of these teams were folks like in their front offices, the Mets were trying to get folks from their front offices and they didn't want to leave those teams. So, you know, I just, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it that, you know, nobody wants to work in New York. It's, it's the Mets. It is specifically the Mets that no one wants to work for. Um, And also like, the Mets are already dysfunctional. So if you screw up, is anybody really going to care? Like, right. you have a built-in, in, you have an out, basically. Like, whoa, it was a mess when I got here. It was my fault. Right. And, like, I- and the thing is, I think you can explain each individual in yes. a way that doesn't reflect badly on the Mets. But you don't strike out 12 times in a row because of bad luck. Like, that's just not... It's not a real, a reasonable explanation for what's going on. Yeah. Right. Like you can't have a hitter that's got, that's gone on an O for 50 stretch and say, well, I just faced 50 really good pitchers. You guys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like know, you, they can be explained away. Like Bean didn't want it or, you know, Theo Epstein was never coming here. Or, or Epstein wanted a different kind of role. Billy Bean wanted to stay in California. Like, I mean, yeah, like you can explain it away, but after a while, who are you trying to convince? Like yourself or other people? Because like Allison said, you, you don't, after a while, there's a common thread here and it's, and it was the same common thread from last year when they couldn't get a president of baseball operations. Yeah, this is, is over a year now. Yeah. Over a year long saga of this. Don't forget that they tried to do this a year ago and failed. And that's why they only hired. I mean, so Jared Porter was a obviously a failed hire, but a GM hire. They were trying to hire a president of baseball operations the first time and failed to do so and had to hire a GM, which is what they're going to do now again, because they failed a second time to get a president of baseball operations. And it's just especially embarrassing because like the this team has, if nothing else, some potentially some money behind it. And you'd think that they'd be able to like, wow, somebody with an offer or you know, indicate that there's going to be a lot of resources available that, you know, would be pleasant for anybody to get to spend, like building a baseball team. That sounds like a joy. And so whatever nonsense is going on over there is somehow like bad enough that these other potential benefits are not swaying anyone. Like people aren't even interviewing for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like how bad is the Mets perception if to the rest of baseball, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's it has to be pretty bad. And now it's out there for everyone to see that it's really bad. Um, not just, you know, other front office executives who kind of know what the Mets reputation is within within the industry. Now, those of us who are out in industry outsiders 
realize it too, just how bad it is. I mean, I think we knew it was probably pretty bad, but this gives you an indication of how they're viewed in the industry, which is not favorably, clearly. Yeah, they're not yeah, respected. Not and I think, you know, everybody likes to argue, oh, Sandy Alderson's so respected. Is he? Is he now? Because like, that was the whole draw of bringing him back in the first place, yes. which was that well, he was a respected executive that would guide the ship and attract, you know, candidates to take under his wing. And then they would eventually run the front office once he left. That was the that was the model. Clearly, it has not worked. <laughs> well, and let's I mean, look, somebody can be respected and still have nobody want to work for them. I mean, that's the thing. I think, you know, he obviously has been around the game a long time. He did some good work with the 2015 club. He obviously also had a lot of success, relatively speaking, in Oakland. Like, I could see why he is respected. But also, if it is a nightmare over there, it doesn't matter how well respected he is. Well, the other issue is is nepotism. Right, right. That's been out there. So that's been like, you know, one thing that is sort of hanging over this whole thing, which is that, you know, I think one executive put it, no one wants to be the middle part of the Alderson sandwich, which meaning that (laughs) Sandy Alderson is your superior as team president. If you're GM or even president of baseball operations, Sandy Alderson as team president is your superior and Bryn Alderson is your direct inferior. And so you you sitting there between the two are kind of waiting any moment for his son to suddenly become your superior, which could happen any day. Well, and his son has also been doing this job. Right. Yeah. Literally. So it's not even like, you know, it, it's not like he's kind of out there in terms of realistic alternatives to you. If nobody likes you, he's probably first in line. Yes. And how much authority do you have then if you're answering to both Aldersons, basically? So who's going to want to come here when they don't have complete control and to put their vision to to execute their vision for the team there? They have like, what if you disagree with Alders with Bryn? Is Sandy going to take your side or his? So like, that's just got to be a weird dynamic that has got to scare away candidates because they're never going to have complete control to build the team the way they want it. Right. And I mean, Sandy, sorry, I was going to say Sandy Alderson was dismissive of these concerns during the press conference. today, Basically, he's dismissive of all concerns, of all concerns all the time, all the time. He basically said like, oh, well, if that's someone's concern, we can talk about it. But I don't think that that's and it's like it's clearly yes. (laughs) Well, you have to talk about it. Somebody has to apply first before you can talk about it. And nobody's applying. Can't imagine why. What a joy. And so we're at the point where they, I mean, Alderson said during the press conference that they won't be hiring a president of baseball operations. So the president of baseball operations is once again, Sandy Alderson. Um, And they are pivoting now and they're just basically looking for a GM at this stage, kind of like how they did last year when they pivoted to Porter. Um, So now they're just considering GM candidates. Um, Well, I compared it to the defense against the dark arts position if nobody applied. (laughs) Like, you can't fill the position instead of everybody always leaving the position. Yep. Yep. Final cap drummer of baseball. Yep. Um, And so... Sandy Alderson said that, quote, several GM candidates remain under consideration and will know more by the end of the week is what he said. And by the end of the day today, um, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 9th, sort of by evening time as we record this, um, a name that has emerged above the pile is former Nats assistant GM Adam Cromie. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. It could be Cromie. I'm not sure. Cromie. I'm going to call him Cromie. Um, has emerged as someone who has, quote, a real shot at becoming Mets GM, according to reporting from John Heyman and others. Um, Adam Cromie has been out of baseball working for the law firm Jones Day since 2017. So that gives you a sense of like where they're at at this point. (laughs) (laughs) 
like literally trying to hire a dude who's been out of baseball for four years and like, just working at some law firm. Is he the only candidate at this point? Like the only one with a name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also like, and so there's certainly been a little bit of buzz on Twitter about this guy's law firm, which yeah. among other things was one of the stop the steal law firms. But more recently, and I, what I think reflects more on like this whole network of rot that <laughs> underlies so much, but like the more of another recent case of theirs was Chris Christie's Bridgegate scandal. Yep. Like they were defending Chris Christie in it all. And suddenly the pieces start to fall into place. Yeah. And I know he wasn't. And oh, sorry, I, I will clarify. He personally was not defending Chris Christie, but it's the same law firm. And it's just this like incestuous pile of Harvard law grads that just like reproduce asexually at this point. <laughs> and the Mets. <laughs> The Mets are just going to keep grabbing them one by one. White Harvard Law graduates. Oh, I'm sorry. This guy was Georgetown Law. Deepest apologies. Deepest apologies. Um, And like, until they find someone who (laughs) is willing to debase themselves that much. (laughs) Right. And like, I said this, uh, I said this in Amazing Avenue Slack, like, talking about the the Chris Christie connection, like we're not trying to insinuate that this dude is like personal friends with Chris Christie or whatever, but it's kind of the same thing where like, like Harvard law grads or whatever. It's like whenever you're, whenever one of these like hedge fund assholes is hiring someone for, for their hedge fund and they see that they went to the same Ivy League school that they did, they will instantly like them more, even if they don't know them personally at all, regardless of their other credentials. It's like, oh, he's a Harvard man. I, too, am a Harvard man. So it's it's the same. It's the same thing. But with law firms like, oh, he's a Jones Day man. It's the same thing. Yeah. But also, oh, he's one of my same. people. I get it. Yeah. This isn't really the Mets attracting the best and the brightest either. You got this rando who's been out of baseball since 2017. Like Brody Van Wagenen had more experience than this guy. I mean, he's had experience, but is it like the game has changed so much? So can he even apply that experience to today's game? Like, I mean, he I won't guess we'll have see. to because Sandy Alderson is going to run the team. Yeah, oh. Sandy Alderson is in charge. This dude or whomstever they hire, like, because it's clear that they're on, like, this tier of dudes now. Like, even if it doesn't end up being this particular dude, like, this is the type of dude they're hiring at this point. And this is, like, a an empty suit yes man for Sandy Alderson type of dude at this point. Like, he just stands there and does the pressers. And I can't wait like to go that. through this exact same process in two years. Yep. Cannot wait. It's going to be great. If we're lucky. If, let's, let's be real. It could be one year. Well, apparently, they're holding out hope for Cashman or Stearns next year. It's like, why would they want to come here at this point? You can't, you can't be holding your breath for these pie-in-the-sky candidates that may or may not ever materialize. Like They, they didn't even get permission now. to interview Stearns this time. So what makes them think they're going to land him a year from now? Well, well his contract. Be a, be he's up. a free yeah. agent next year, yeah. A free agent. But, like... <laughs> I, sure, they will have the barrier of the Milwaukee Brewers being able to say no, but like, doesn't it's not going to stop Stearns from saying no. <laughs> I mean, I think this, and this is the kind of situation where like the Mets are genuinely embarrassing themselves. They are to the point that like I feel like it can it will follow like this kind of thing will follow them for a while. Like this is this is grim shit. Yeah. Even if you're looking in the most like optimistic light and you're and you're thinking like, oh, David Stearns actually like really wanted to come here, but the Brewers didn't want to give him up because he was still under contract. Even if you even if like it was all the Brewers and nothing to do with him, like you think he sees all of this that has happened and says like, oh, yeah, sure. Next year, I'll take that off. Yeah, like that seems like a plum job. Sign me up for that. Right. Like, ugh. Well, we've been to Allison. We talked about this with Devin too a little bit um, about, you know, not this, but, you know, the players took notice. Oh, yeah. Of the front office, one disaster after another. Um, 
on the field last year, and there were some pretty damning quotes by the players. And so if they notice, what are free agents thinking? Like, what if Chris Bryant texts Javi Baez and been like, what was your experience playing with the Mets last year? Well, I got chewed out for giving a thumbs down sign. And and plus, and I had to sit there and apologize for it. But then when my GM drunk drove, he just got to disappear into the night. Like, is that going to be Well, Javi Baez really might be the to- only free agent they do sign this year. <laughs> really? Literally? And, and like, truly, if, if that is the case, then... Uh, make Francisco Lindor the GM. Yeah, well, please. Um, he, I think he would do Player a better GM. job. Um, speaking of Zach Scott, since Linda brought him up, um, on November 1st, the Mets did fire Zach Scott two months after finally. his DUI arrest, finally. So this was the right thing to do, objectively, despite the fact that Buster only spent two days dying on the hill that it was like a mistake for some reason for After them to have done got killed by a DUI too on that very day the very same day yeah and he was she spent long on enough that. on it that like Buster are you okay man yeah like I like, was really confused like do you need yeah. some help with something because yeah, it's embarrassing it's not great yeah um so yeah by zach scott we hardly knew ye yeah Yeah, we had known ye even less (laughs) less so that had put to rest some rumblings that the mets because the mets were you know and probably still are not not with zach scott but probably are still considering promoting from within i think that is one of the you know considerations at this point still um and and zach scott was until he was dismissed one of the names floated about as you know potentially the guy they were still potentially going to promote him and i thought that and i feared that that would happen up until the moment they fired him yeah because they Um, were reportedly impressed with him i was like how what did he do that was so impressive i don't know man well, if there's um, anything we know about Alderson it is that he does not like being pressured to fire people. And even even today during his press conference after Zach Scott was fired, Alderson said, and I quote, in my view, Zach did an excellent job for us. Thought he was constantly working the wire and trying to make the club better. There were a few mistakes, but generally speaking, he did an excellent job for us. A few mistakes. <laughs> I didn't other than that mrs lincoln how was the how show? was the play yeah literally and like there is no there is no reason for you to continue to heap praise upon zach scott like what are you gaining from this you don't have to say good things about him anymore stop it so it's like arrested development him her was he funny or something <laughs> exactly like why are you going to bed for this rando who over who punted the season basically when they got Jacob DeGrom's medicals and said, screw it, we're not going to win. Um, did a half-ass measure, crapped on his players, and then drunk drove from, from the owner's house. Like, yeah, drove from that was impressive events. Yes. Like, it was a work party. Yes. Yep. <sighs> and yet this, Who is the in guy. this world would not have been fired after that I mean, immediately, truly. immediately. Like a, a, they did the right thing. Like Allison said, but what did they need to go over at that point? I don't know. And I mean, not to mention the fact that uh, in addition to all of the other things that you guys are talking about, his front office screwed up the Kumar rocker signing um, yep. slash draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that level of screw up such that, by the way, I mean, if folks if folks haven't gone through this in their head by now, I'm going to lay it out for you. The Mets now have to give up a first round pick if they if they want to sign any qualified any like qualified free agents that have been given the qualifying offer by their teams and rejected them. If the Mets want to sign one such guy, like if they want to bring back Michael Conforto as a free agent, if they want to sign Carlos Correa, if they want to sign any of those guys. They have to give up a first round pick for that because Rocker, like Rocker, they got a compensation pick for not having signed Rocker in the first round. So now both their first picks are in the first round. So that is an epic screw up on the part of the Mets. And the front office that oversaw that, so one of those guys might still get a promotion. (laughs) Any other front office, you'd get fired for that. (laughs) Instead, it's the Mets. I went into the wrong field. Instead, it's the I Mets, so you might get promoted. 
Tannis or one of those guys might get promoted. But anyway. Yeah, but I'm um, still not a white guy, so I would have no shot. This is true. True. No, I would have a shot at being harassed in the meds organization. But that's by the way, can you imagine if a woman had these credentials that Adam Cromie has? She would not be considered for one moment. Absolutely not. For this job. I mean, and good for Raquel Ferreira. Ferreira, is that how you pronounce her last name? Yeah, yeah, I think so. For turning them down. Like, she knows her worth. Good for her. Yep, for sure. I don't blame her. Save yourself second. from the Mets, folks. Yeah, seriously. Save yourself. Um, but in addition to Linda mentioned, like, what are free agents thinking when they look at all this mess? And that is true. And another another barrier this whole mess is having on the Mets offseason is simply they're running out of time to do stuff now. Like there's nobody in charge. Well, Sandy Alderson's in charge, but like there's no infrastructure there for them to start making offseason moves that they need to make. Um, and offseason moves are already happening. Like, you know, guys have already started signing and the Mets don't have a GM or a manager or anything. And managers are already being hired, by the way. The Mets are lucky in the sense that not too many teams fired their managers in the offseason. It's basically just the Padres and the Cardinals, I think, for the other two teams that fired theirs. But they're already like in interviews and have already picked their guys to replace their managers. The Mets don't even have a GM to make that hire yet. So once again, they're behind the ball on everything because they haven't finished their front office search because no one wants to work for them. So that's a huge (laughs) handicap they have here. What I also find hysterical, too, is that Luis Rojas might get hired by the Yankees. Like, he got fired and rehired, and the Mets still haven't hired anybody. Yep. Good for him. He deserves better than this. He does. Good for Luis Rojas. Um, Hopefully it works out for him. Um, So the one thing that has happened with the Mets this offseason regarding the roster so far is that the Mets have made qualifying offers to Noah Syndergaard and Michael Conforto. Michael Conforto has already rejected the qualifying offer and is an unrestricted free agent, as everyone expected. Um, Syndergaard's decision has not yet been announced, but he's more likely to accept than Conforto was. He keeps Um, dropping hints, like, on his Instagram. Like, he keeps posting, like, I love New York and... I think he's staying. I think he's I think, staying. I, I think he's either taking the PO or they're signing him to some different deal. Yeah. Some like, like lower. Just, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they wanted to do something like, like a two for 20 type thing. If Syndergaard, especially if Syndergaard feels like he might, you know, need a year to kind of get into the flow because he's been out for so long and then have another year to like show off. I don't know. It just, I, I, he, he seems to like being here. I, I don't know why it kind of <laughs> makes me think a little less of, him. <laughs> but yeah, we're judging Thor. We're judging a little bit, <laughs> but you know, it, it certainly, it's a match on both sides. Now the Mets only need like four other pitchers. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, I think he's going to accept, I think it's the most likely outcome, um, which would be cool. That uh, would be like at least one thing to check off, but obviously he's not a sure thing. He's still coming off Tommy John and through like two innings in 2021. So we don't really know what we have in him, but it's better than not <laughs> having him. So it's good. Um, but the other Mets thing that happened um, since we last recorded, uh, which just happened the other day, which is really upsetting is the, um, Former Mets reliever Pedro Feliciano died suddenly um, the other day at the age of 45 in his sleep, which is so upsetting. Um, so, so sad. Okay, it's too young. Way too young. Um, he was a he was a fixture with the Mets during his time on the team and, you know, a key part of that 2006 team um, and a deeply beloved, you know, player on those teams. I think that like a lot of times, even when they have pretty long careers as Feliciano did, like, you know, middle relievers are like not exactly the guys you think about when you think about teams, but he really was a fixture on those teams. Like he's one of the guys you think about when you think about that era of Mets baseball um, in like the mid to late two thousands. And like many, many years. I mean, that's, you know, I just remember him the only good thing about, the team like the yeah. like, well what do the Mets have going for them David Wright and Pedro Feliciano pretty for much. like years 
Yeah, it was hard to envision his team without him. He was just always there and always pitching. <laughs> always took the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally, like he he um was the last pitcher, the most recent pitcher in 2010 to have more than 90 appearances. Um it's crazy. And I don't think that record will ever be broken again because of the way baseball is now. Um a yeah, because- I mean, he wouldn't really have a as much of a role because of the three batter rule. Yeah. Right, exactly. I was gonna say that. A because like because of the three batter rule guys just don't make as many appearances anymore and be just like people like the pitchers don't take on the burdens that they used to innings wise, probably for the better of their arms um, and their careers. But it was just a different era back then. But yeah, like, I don't think, I think he's going to stand for potentially ever as the last guy to appear in 90 games in a, in a season. Um, And he seemed like just a genuinely good human being as well. I've um, never heard anyone so much as like, like hint as to not loving the dude. Right. He and seems... like, he was always the guy out there signing autographs. Like he was always signing autographs. I remember that he was always signing autographs, like way more than anybody else. He seemed to really care about the fans. He's still like, I, I someone posted on Twitter a picture that they yes. took with him at a Mets game, like at the this end of year. this last season, like he still yeah. goes to city field and like hangs out with the fans. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it, this one hit really hard. Cause it's kind of like, you know, we're, we are way too young. All of us on this show, we are way too young to deal with a player that we watched die. That's the worst. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. And what? our thoughts are with his family for sure. And I do have a couple quotes from his teammates, Um, David Wright on Pedro Feliciano. uh, He was a wonderful teammate with a great sense of humor. In all my years in baseball, I never saw a left-handed relief specialist have such a presence in the clubhouse. He had a great personality. When David Wright says you have a great personality, that... uh... (laughs) It's probably true. It's Yeah, it's probably... Yeah, his words carry carry weight with them and then Vic Black I miss Vic Black I love Vic, Vic Black was Black. cool yes. yeah he tweeted today I think let me see if I can find it Vic Black is a cool guy I hashtag Vic, Vic Black, Black come on the pod yes uh, he an incredible teammate still remember him showing me around NYC when I was traded there rest in peace good friend oh, that's so sad yeah so, yeah, it seems like everybody who came into contact with them was was better for it. it he, they, no, everybody has nothing but nice things to say about him. Yeah. Rest in peace, Perpetual Pedro. We will miss you. Yeah, that thanks really for, for the memories. And yeah. we appreciate you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So in wider baseball news this week, things are not any better. Well, it's not really baseball news. It's more like sports news. Um, but last week, um, Business Insider published a report um, containing accounts from young women who said they met Barstool founder Dave Portnoy for sex and the encounter turned violent. Um, I won't go into detail about the encounters and you can read the piece if you want to learn more, although it is behind a paywall. Um, but I read the whole thing. Um, suffice it to say that this is 
pretty similar to the Trevor Bauer situation in several respects. Um, Firstly, this is a situation similar to Bauer where the initial encounter was consensual, but quickly moved to him doing things that these women did not consent to, including violent acts. And, you know, this is a pattern, again, of like, not are our, our, not just these individual men, but our wider culture not understanding consent. <laughs> um, so, you know, consent is a dynamic process, not a static process. And just because they agreed to have sex with him does not mean that they agreed to violent acts and these other things that he did to them. Um, in this case, however, what kind of sets it apart is that th- there's also a pattern of Portnoy, a man who is in his 40s, his mid 40s pursuing college-aged women over and over and over again. Like, that is who he targets. And in that case, there is not only, like, a power imbalance the way there is when, you know, a celebrity or or someone of renown is interacting with someone who is not a celebrity. There's that power imbalance. But there's also the power imbalance of this guy is in his 40s and this is a college-aged girl. She is a consenting adult, yes, but there is a huge power imbalance there that is suspect, especially when it's a pattern. Um, Predators always know how to pick the, the people who are less empowered to do something about it. Like, you know, 18 years old is legal, but also a lot easier to manipulate an 18 year old and a lot more likely that an 18 year old doesn't know her resources, doesn't know her options compared to like a 30 year old. And they know that. And a lot more likely that an 18 year old will be starstruck by someone like Dave Portnoy and, you know, less less likely to say no to whatever he wants to do because they feel like they can't. Um, Well, then what recourse do they have afterwards? Like, I, I didn't read the piece, but then I think it was brought up is. If they say anything, they're just going to be attacked by a bunch of bros online. Right. And which took exactly zero seconds to actually happen. Yeah. Right. Um, And that is why and that is brought up in the piece um, that one of the women who whose pseudonym, oddly enough, is Allison. um, But that's not her real name. Um, One of the women um, like her mother, she told her mother about what happened and her mother wanted to pursue, you know, recourse against Portnoy. But but Allison convinced her not to. Because she was like, I'm just going to be attacked and our family's going to be attacked and I don't want to bring that on us. So she knew what was potentially in store if she spoke out about it. Um, and yeah, multiple of the women said that they were afraid to speak out. And that is why, you know, their real names are not in the piece, um, et cetera. Um, and, you know, an- uh, also like Bauer, this is a situation where People have been raising alarm bells about Dave Portnoy's behavior, his toxic and misogynistic behavior for quite some time now. Um, His behavior, the culture around barstool sports in general, all of it. Um, These are red flags. We've said this over and over. These are red flags that often lead to more sinister and violent behavior. And there can be no doubt there is no such thing as good people at barstool. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. Um, and the, their CEO being a woman doesn't excuse anything either, too, because that's always, oh, how could they be bad if their woman's, the CEO was a woman? Just like Trevor Bauer's agent was a woman. White women. Shockingly, are there are also them. bad women. Yes. There are women so, who will uphold the patriarchy, no problem at all. If they benefit from it, why? what do they care? And they, they are clearly benefiting from this culture. Barstool is a cesspool of misogyny, toxic masculinity, racism, homophobia, all of it. It is a cesspool. There's nobody good there. And Barstool CEO, who is a woman, up has her role in upholding it, upholding the toxic culture. And this toxic culture breeds and upholds men like Bauer and like Portnoy. And it just keeps and the fact that cycle the, keeps going. And the fact that MLB. Yes even has has raised the possibility of partnering with Barstool. And I I mean, it's not, but the fact that it was even like discussed in a low level meeting is the, is the kind of thing that like truly makes me want to question my standing as a fan of the MLB. Like I just, it just makes me love baseball less that this is 
what they see themselves. And the fan base they want to cater to. These, these, these are the people yeah. that they want to please. Yep. Because this yeah, they're is they're not making baseball for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is who they're making baseball for is the is stoolies, basically. Like frat bros. That's who that's who sports are for, who who they see sports as being for. They don't well, see sports as being for us. And I don't I I don't want to say nobody cares because that's not true. But I don't see it changing until athletes start speaking out and refuse to go on their podcasts or, you know, hang out with these guys. Like, you know, Jeff McNeil one time posted, he was at like a golf function with these guys. And it's like, stop. And the athletes wear barstool merch like all the time. All the time. And until an athlete cares enough, nothing's going to change because who's going to stop them? Yeah, everything they do has been rewarded. Yep. Yep. And I mean, to go off the to go off the theme of baseball is not for us. I didn't even put this in the show notes because I had completely forgotten that this had happened until we talked about it. Um, But Rob Manfred talked about how the chop is totally cool, by the way. Yeah, Um, because obviously the Braves being in the playoffs and eventually winning the World Series um, started the chop discourse afresh um, about how the chop is terrible and should be retired. And in fact, the Braves should probably change their team name similar to the way the Guardians did and get rid of, you know, the Native American imagery Um, because Native American people are not mascots. They're people. And it's. And it's awful and screwed up. And obviously the chop should die. Um, But Rob Manfred was like, oh, but baseball is is a local sport. You know, it's all about the local culture. And, you know, the the Native Americans and the and the and the people in the Atlanta area support it. So it's it's only the chop if it comes from Atlanta. Everywhere else, it's sparkling racism. Right. Which makes absolutely no sense. And. The defenders of the chop continue to point to the one the one nation, um, the one tribal nation and not even the whole tribal nation, by the way. This is just like a subset of one tribal nation, Cherokee Nation, that the Braves work with and say, look, this nation's okay with it. Yeah, but the nations are not a monolith. Native Americans are not a monolith. Each each tribe is its own sovereign nation. And it has its own the equivalent of having a woman as their CEO. Exactly. Literally yeah. look at my woman CEO. <laughs> Literally look at our token Native American who says the chop is OK, which I don't even think that that's what the Cherokee have said. Um, it's just that the Braves work with that tribe. But is and Rob Manfred continued to show why he is completely out of touch with everybody except a certain type of baseball fan. And he wonders why baseball is not catering to a younger, more diverse audience. I was going to say, like, I didn't want full disclosure. I didn't watch any of the playoffs, had no desire, hated every team, had they just didn't seem fun. Like, uh, why am I going to get myself all angry when I have better things to do with myself? Um, But your World Series, that was just supposed to be your marquee event of your sport, was... The racists versus the cheaters. That's how you want to market your sport. Woof. You have nonstop chop in your marquee event before in your pregame. You have people out on the plaza doing it. And during the game. And you think you don't think that's a turnoff for people? You think this is okay? Like be- just because the Atlantic. Because he's saying, oh, it's a regional sport. This is your marquee event that's supposed to go out to the entire country. The entire country is supposed to be watching the World Series. And, but it's only regional to Atlanta, so that means it's okay. You don't want to market to a larger audience, and then you're going to complain baseball is dying? Right. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how he went on, how he basically went out there and said that, which I don't even 
necessarily disagree with his idea that baseball is hyper local because I think that that's true. But all that goes out the window when you're talking about the World Series and the playoffs in general, that's supposed to be a national event. Like you're supposed to like cater to the entire country. Yeah. How are you supposed to get the casual fan at that point? Like that's where you're supposed to capture the casual fan because they have access to it. They can watch it. And well, they despite- turn it on and see nonstop racism. What are they going to do? Well, and despite the, the team name and various logos and chop and all of that nonsense, I mean, Atlanta is a wonderful city, super diverse. Like there's a ton of great local stuff about Atlanta. You cannot tell me that the only thing that makes baseball special there is fucking chop. Like, come on. And it's not even unique to them. The Chiefs do it. And one of the college teams do it. It's not even theirs. It's, it's not special. It's not unique. So, and the, and the way to prove it, you say one thing on Twitter about it, you get nonstop reply, guys. I had to go on private because I said one thing. And the Braves fans flipped. Like, like just nonstop. Like, they, they own it. They're proud of this. And this is what we're supposed to be marketing. The worst World Series in recent memory, seriously. Potentially really? since no. potentially since Phillies Yankees, I think. Oh Probably. yeah. But at least I mean, we hated both teams, but at least they weren't I mean, Utley was an awful human being, but you know, they're just, you know, annoying teams. They weren't the biggest cheating scandal since the Black Sox and, you know, blatant racism. Oh, yeah. It's objectively worse on like a, you know, just like a blanket level. I mean, at least there are like people who I like in my life who are Yankees fans. And I could tell myself, well, I'm happy they're happy. Um, I don't know any decent human being who is a Phillies fan. Um, So, but this was just... (laughs) Like the good team was, I guess, the Astro. I, I don't even know. I don't know. It was know, just man. all terrible. I don't know. I didn't root for either team. The Braves have like good. I liked the players on the Braves, but like I didn't want anything good for their fans. So, well, no, so well, I, I was kind of torn about it too because I do like Freddie Freeman and. You know, but the 90s girl in me, like, tells me to hate the Braves. But at the same time, I was just laughing because the Mets handed them this World Series. And I hope, I hope Zach Scott is sitting there fuming right now because they started Jared Eikhoff. It was like the butterfly effect because Jared Eikhoff started a game in July. The Braves won the World Series. And I just... I, I hope I hope that like just grinds the gears of the every single person in that front office because you chose to punt. You had the opportunity to go for it. You had an opportunity to bury the Braves and you made the conscious decision not to do it. And so congratulations. The Braves now owe you one. I you, saw- built, you built a great team to help the Braves win. So congratulations, Zach Scott. I saw a tweet in the aftermath of the World Series that was something like, oh, now every NL East team has won the World Series in my lifetime, except the Mets. And I was like, like some that multiple times. I was like, that wasn't true for you already. Oh, yeah. Some people weren't born in 1995. <laughs> That's right. I forgot <laughs> that I am an old on this website now. I know it still hurts, though. <laughs> I know. Right. Because I was, I was like, bro, that's been true for me since 2019 when the Nationals won the World Series. <laughs> oh man. Um, anyway, um, I guess we will we will end the baseball segment on a high note, a kind of high note, a, like a light at the end of the tunnel sort of note. Um, so the one positive piece of news that has come out in the past like month or so, um, baseball wide, is that. Starting in 2022, Major League Baseball will require teams to provide housing for minor leaguers. So that's that's something good that happened. Um, this is a huge thing, a huge victory for the advocates for minor leaguers and just, you know, minor leaguers in general and everybody that's been supporting them. But and cannot emphasize enough that 
this should be the beginning of change for better working conditions for minor leaguers, not the end. There's still way more work to be done, but at least this yes. is a good first step. Yeah. So them not having to worry about where they're just going to sleep at night, I can imagine is a big relief for, for every minor leaguer. Yes. Yes. And really, I mean, MLB was just, I, I, I mean, there's just no excuse for what they have put these many, like barely adult men through. Yes. Like, Oh wait, sorry. We have an article. Oh God. Oh, what happened between the Mets and Zach Scott? And I clicked on it. No, no. Um, According to, eh, go away. Um, According to multiple sources, uh, come on. The two sides broached reconciliation in October. And now I have to log in. Yeah, Sandy Alderson does not want to be told who to fire. I swear. He had been back in conversation with Steve Cohen and Alderson in October. Uh, Come on, you stupid. Well, yeah, it's an athletic because I have to log in and I've forgotten my password. But so I only got the front. Um, I can probably get it up because I yeah, think I'm logged into the athletic. Yeah. Right now, if my internet decides to load, there we go. This is great. It's all just going great. Mm-hmm. Love this great. team. Love the Mets, baby. Number one. Let's go, Mets, baby. Love the Mets. Right, here we are. Um, what happened? So let's go. Uh, on October 31st, Scott's lawyer and Cohen's camp connected to schedule the meeting the following day, but the two sides turned contentious. Sources said Scott's camp felt dissatisfied with the way the organization had treated him throughout the process. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man, what a raging asshole. I'm- oh my God. Placing him on God administrative forbid. leave in a move many organizations haven't made in similar circumstances. Oh, the balls on the Mets to punish him for drunk driving. Good Lord. The According to sources, Met- the Mets handling of the situation, whether intended or not, lumped Scott in with the sexual harassment allegations against Porter and former Mets manager Mickey Calloway, both of whom are on the sports ineligible list so zach scott is trying to be like you didn't treat me any better than jared porter mickey calloway oh my god oh Um, lordy oh god lay down with dogs mets lay down with dogs cohen's coincide still took issue with the fact that scott had not immediately told the mets about the dwi waiting a day before divulging what had happened for the majority of two months scott was on administrative leave there had been almost there had been almost no contact between scott and new york's brass According to including Alderson and Cohen. Um, Yeah. So basically, yeah. So basically, like, clown show. Yeah, it's a clown show. It's a clown show. And this, like, this more than anything, like, solidifies to me that, which we haven't, this isn't a thing that we didn't really cover because it's not really like anything new. It's just like confirmation of stuff we already suspected. But this, this confirms for me more than anything that Zach Scott is the source on the like Lindor McNeil article that came out. Yes. Um, Cause the, cause an article came out recently that had like all the details about the, the, about the Lindor McNeil kerfuffle. And it like confirmed what everyone sort of suspected, which is that, you know, McNeil wouldn't, wouldn't shift the way the Mets wanted and Lindor got mad at him about it. And then like in the tunnel, Lindor, you know, put McNeil in a chokehold and there was like an altercation that, you know, that the team ran in and like people broke it up before it got super serious or whatever. And then they told the silly rat raccoon story afterwards to cover it. But everyone knew that they that they were fighting like that's not that that wasn't really a secret because people saw it. Um, So but but the article came out like saying that is what happened. And there was a source in the article. And I I and it happened like the article came out like right after they fired Zach Scott. So I was already kind of like, ooh, the timing of that is sus. And now I'm like 100% sure it was Zach Scott because he's clearly really pissed at them. But yeah. also, does he think like, like he was the one who had the deadline who was like, we don't want to disrupt clubhouse chemistry. We're all friends. Like hang the, we were all friends. Back yeah, he on. was the, the the clubhouse chemistry guy. Yes. And <laughs> clearly, they have, 
but you had players choking each other in the dugout or in the clubhouse. So does he think this makes him look better? Like, dude, no, the clubhouse chemistry wasn't that good, apparently. But this is what you hung your hat on? Yeah. Not to mention, I mean, that article made McNeil look really bad, by the way. Yeah, the fact that Rojas had to bench him because he wasn't listening. He basically, like, wouldn't shift. And Rojas was like, dude, what the hell? And Lindor got really mad because, like, McNeil was not shifting properly, so it caused him to, like, be in Lindor's way during, during, like, plays. (laughs) Yeah, Lindor probably shouldn't have choked him. Yeah, Lindor, I mean, Lindor, I'm not saying that Lindor gets off scot-free here, that, like, he was right to do violence on his teammate. That No, that was not. He that was not, should not do a violence, kids. No, don't do a violence. Don't use don't use your fists to solve your problems. Use your words. Yes. But um, how bad had did it have to get when you make somebody called Mr. Smile? <laughs> you in the uh, well, this is also, you know, and this is one of those things that made me feel better about the idea of moving on from Luis Rojas, who I think is seems to be a really smart, well-liked guy who I think was out of his depth with this team. Yes. Because that's, and it's not just the the fighting thing, but like, also, I'm sorry, you have players who refuse to stretch as instructed. You have players who refuse to shift as instructed. What is going on in that clubhouse? What a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Get your team in order. Like, come on. Yeah, he might have for me, I think he might have been too close to the players. Like he saw them grow up, basically. He saw yeah. them in the minors. So, like, I don't know if he was able to like view them as critically as somebody from maybe the outside who didn't know them as well would have. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, and also, but also, get back to Scott. This is also just another example of bro culture. Like, I drunk drive, and you like, how dare you suspend me? Like. He's legitimately shocked by this. Like he thinks he can drunk drive and get away with it. Like, is, it, is that yeah. part of, like acceptable behavior in baseball that he's genuinely shocked by this? I mean, how long had he gotten away with that already? Yeah. Cause like statistically speaking, super, super unlikely that he didn't drive drunk a lot of times. And I'm not saying that like he certainly did, but you know, that should always be the first question you think in a case like this. Because the odds are that he has done it a lot. And yeah. so, of course, he would think he would get away with it. Why wouldn't he? He had all this evidence. This is like, this is so hilarious. Because this is this Scott thing. Because this is like a classic, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my <laughs> own actions. God, I hate him so much. <laughs> he has literally zero redeeming qualities. Like, we're we the sources say name. Zach Scott was mad he faced a consequence. <laughs> Like, we were talking about this in the Mason Avenue Slack, and they were like, oh, he's, like, utterly forgettable. He wasn't here long enough. I was like, not for me. Like, the he did everything wrong and just made everything ten times worse that he touched. So, I'm like, I don't care that he was only a year and a half a year. He, 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 he messed up a lot in that. In that I don't even think it was a year. It was, like, six months. And he did a lot of damage in that time. If he was an imposter hired to sabotage the Mets from the inside out um, by like the Braves or whoever, they did a good um, job. <laughs> it wouldn't look any different. Like nothing about that. Like you wouldn't have to change anything if that was the case. No. Yeah, what my, I, I just I can't help but think what are free agents thinking because we have mentioned this on the show before like the only way the Mets can be competitive next year is if they buy their way to being competitive More but is it even possible right now with with how you know they're they're messing again come play for our team the Mets <sighs> Have really good podcasters. I know. <laughs> Mets have many podcasts, in fact. Oh, and poor Pete. Poor, poor, always optimistic Pete. <laughs> he was still so hopeful at the end of the year. And it's like, I know, oh, right? Pete, I, I hope he's not paying attention. Himself. No, I know. Turn off the podcast, Pete. Go play. Go play oh, outside. 
didn't he post like a really darling Halloween costume too? <sighs> it's so on point for him. I know. Oh, I just I don't know how anything to ever break his spirit. What was it? Ah, uh, com- it wasn't Bridgerton. It was like something like that. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Yes, yes, he did Peaky Blinders. <laughs> oh, Pete. <laughs> It was actually really good, too. <laughs> um, but on that note, um, I think it's time to do walk-off wins because we could use an injection of happiness. Let's get some wins. Um, so uh, we will finish a show like we do every week with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so I realized... I have had many walk-off wins along this theme, but um, for this week, my walk-off win has to be some variation on um, vaccines available for kids, not all kids, but 50% of my progeny will be vaccinated in the coming week. But to be more specific, I have to call out the um, school clinics doing vaccinations this week because the city has finally done something intelligent for once ever and um every public school in the city that serves those age groups is having a walk-in vaccine clinic either at pickup time or drop-off time one day this week every school hundreds of schools across the city are giving vaccines this week. And that's amazing. I am such a sucker for public education. I am such a sucker for public health. And having them work together on this is like, it's enough to melt this icy frozen heart of mine because um, I'm so excited. Um, I, I will not actually be participating in the clinic because we had already gotten an appointment the day before at a Walgreens and I would rather take the appointment than wait on a line for a walk-in, but I will be there in spirit. And I already sent emails to like our entire school leadership being like, this is such a good idea. Thank you guys so much for participating. Not that like they had a choice or anything, but like just to make sure that they're hearing something positive for it. So if you are in the city, it doesn't even have to be your kid's school. You can go to, you know, there's a, there's a website, you can Google it. I'll even link it. And you can show up and get your first vaccine for your kid. You get the $100 um, bonus the city is giving away also. So there you go. Get your shot. It's very exciting. Yay. That is really awesome. Yeah. I'm very, very happy about it. And very happy to have a vaccinated seven-year-old. And at the very least, I know that my daughter will be able to be vaccinated no later than March because that's when she turns five. But until then. We love it. One step closer to controlling this pandemic. We love it, don't we, folks? Yes. And it'll be such a relief when kids can finally just know that they're protected. Yeah. And slow down. A lot of the general transmission, it'll be good for everybody. Yeah. Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, mine simply, I'm just glad for a day off on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, very important that we honor the veterans and you know, to you know, the the way this country takes care of the veterans is a shame. Um, and we need to do better. Um but you know, I just I really need a day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially now that they're getting so dark early and it's depressing and mm-hmm. um I'm I'm just gonna be happy to just sit and sit on my couch, watch like, I don't know, Disney Plus. <laughs> yep. And do absolutely nothing and think about nothing and worry about nothing for a day. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And it'll be a short week because then it's Friday and then the weekend and then, you know, you're all good. So, um, so yeah, I'm thankful for, for a day off this week. Yep. You have earned it. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Um, I, like I said, my butt's not moving from the couch. So nor should <laughs> if, you, if you need me for anything, you know where to find me. Nor should it. Um, my walk off one for this week is that I went to a, a wedding over the weekend and it was lovely. Um, so congratulations to two of my dear friends, Brittany and Michelle. It was a really awesome wedding. Um, like many weddings these days, it was, you know, over a year in the making, given the COVID delays um, that were involved. So happy that we could finally celebrate with all of our vaccinated friends. Um, and it was just a fantastic time. Um, and I'm also thankful that I was able to attend because I had a bit of a health scare before the wedding and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it. And I was like, oh, no, do I have COVID? And I tested negative and it was like a whole thing when I finally recovered in time to go to the wedding. So I'm glad I was able to make it. Um, and it was just a great time. And I was really happy to celebrate my two friends. That's that's it. Um, that's always fun. Weddings are always fun. Yeah, um, it's great. Just get to get drunk with all my friends. Love to see it. Um <laughs> But yeah, um, so that does it for the show this week. Um, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. Um, we, we're finishing up our season review series. So um, we've reviewed basically every player that played on the 2021 Mets has a season review. Um, and the last of those are kind of publishing this week. Um, so we've got those out for you. Um, the Amazing Avenue um, off-season plan contest is underway. Um, so if you want to play GM uh, for the 2022 Mets, which you're just as qualified as anybody else at this point, um, you can don't take together. the job. You guys can do better. Yeah, yes. seriously. Have bigger um, dreams. Publish your off-season plan on AmazingAvenue.com, and we'll we'll send it to Sandy Alderson because <laughs> it'll be just as good as anybody else's at this point. Um, so yeah, submit submit something through the off-season contest. We always love judging those for you guys. It's always really fun to look at what the creativity of the fans and what they put together. So that's really fun. So go check that out, um, as well as all of our other fantastic uh, pods, uh, Amazing Avenue audio pods. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to the show uh, wherever you get your podcast from Amazing Avenue Audio. Check us out. You can email the show own at gmail.com. You can follow Amazing Avenue on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. And when you do subscribe to the show, please also rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in the podcast.